Chai Chai there. there. Welcome to Cream and Sugar. Hey, Julia, would you like a spot of tea? Oh, yes, I would. Oh. Hi, welcome to my tea talk. To have a tea party. Yay! Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're going to talk about uh, the history of tea parties, specifically English tea parties. We're going to talk about what you have at English tea parties. We're going to talk about proper etiquette at English tea parties. And then I have a, a couple other thoughts that I have that I thought would be interesting and related. I so. get to be fancy? Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I have decided. You know, we did our, our version for today, which we'll go into more detail for later. Um I'd also like, well, okay, let me pause that thought. I'm going to take a moment to apologize to any listeners for any sort of editing errors that happen in this. Here's the progression of our recording today. (laughs) We called our guest, who you will meet later, and you will have a snippet of that discussion later in this episode. Then we took a short break. Then we went and performed our recipes. Uh, It got a little bit chaotic. I received a phone call halfway through. That was fine, but somebody required IT assistance while me trying to learn to bake things. So I was it was chaotic. So we did all that. Now we have our food. We took cute pictures. And we just recorded trying the food. So when you hear that later, know that we have already done that. So if we have any tea and or food in our mouths, I'm just going to apologize now because it's too good and I'm not going to stop eating it. Yeah, I'm about to get a third. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm licking so. powdered sugar off my plate. So I will be uh, doing that. Would you like to get a third now before we get into it? No, I'm going to let my stomach settle. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I'm like, I finished my one. Because mine, I think, are like double the size of yours. <laughs> They're big. They're gigantic. <laughs> I'm going to come to the second one later. Um, so, before we discuss the teas and the afternoons mm-hmm. and the parties mm-hmm. of England, how are you brewing? <laughs> I'm, I'm brewing all right. <laughs> Um, what you been up to? Well, today was a little chaotic, so de-stressing a little bit from learning how to bake. Um, I'm hungover, so that's good. So I'm not feeling my best. Uh, this weekend, um, we I learned how to play Secret Hitler yesterday, mm. so that was fun. I was a little stressed because it's kind of like werewolf, and mm. I'm not a good okay. I am a good liar. I don't like to lie. It makes me feel very guilty. So I choose not to. So when I play a game that requires lying, I don't enjoy it. But yeah, that's fair. I still want to play, so I played. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't love those games because I am not great at lying. Mm-hmm. And anytime somebody asks me a direct question and I'm trying to convince them I'm not the bad guy, it's like, <clears throat> what no i'm no i'm not a fascist Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> certainly not in secret i am a liberal places down <laughs> fascist card i swear he didn't give me a choice <laughs> and uh they usually uh gave me a choice and i have to be like no you're lying he's the fascist mm-hmm. i'm just not good at it <laughs> but yeah that's how i'm brewing how you brewing I'm brewing pretty good. I um, 
I'm looking forward to a pretty relaxing weekend. Mm-hmm. I woke up this morning and decided I felt like doing my makeup. So given our current uh, minor slash not so minor obsessions with bees, I did bee inspired makeup. And it's so, so cute. You a look tea. amazing. A tea. One of the benefits of not wearing makeup very often is that if you put on a little bit of makeup, it looks a whole lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I mean, the only thing I really did was black eyeshadow where you would usually do like um, eyeliner wings. Mm hmm. And then I had a gold shimmery eyeshadow that I did across my lid, and then I blended it out with a lighter color. What and if? And a little bit of mascara. What if? Uh-huh. You, instead of doing wings, you did, like, a round little outline and made little bee wings. I could. That'd be so cute. That'd be interesting. I think you would blink, and it would just go and smudge to the top <laughs> of your eyelid. Maybe. I realized... Um, we so our guest we called on the phone and then I called in so we could all three talk and uh we'll talk more about it later. But in the setup that I had, half of my makeup ended up on my phone screen. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I pulled it away and I'm like, What's that powder? Oh, it's makeup. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Uh so I have a quick fire question of the day for you. Okay. If you could have afternoon tea with anyone from history, who would it be? Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Do they have to be British? No. Okay. I mean, one of us should probably be British for afternoon tea, but I guess you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> you can do what you want. Um, I would want to have afternoon tea. Wait, okay. Can it be not a real person? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Is it going to be the same person as me then? Maybe. <laughs> I would like to have afternoon tea with Eloise from Bridgerton (laughs) because I love her. That and Penelope. Can I have tea with both of them? Sure. Okay, cool. You just come along. Yeah. I want to have afternoon tea with them. Nice. I, um, I wrote this question down last night when I was doing my last minute notes and then did not at all think of an answer. Mm -hmm. I have a few is the problem. Or Matt Smith. Yeah, see, that's what I thought. If I had to choose a real person to be math, 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 <laughs> Matt Smith, because uh, I love this man. He's what, thirty six? He was twenty six when he played the Doctor. Hmm. He was the youngest actor to ever play the Doctor. You did tell me that. Yeah, I respect important information. I respect uh, it. <laughs> who would I have tea with? I probably should have thought ahead. <laughs> I mean, I I just rewatched Interview with the Vampire last night, mm-hmm. so it could be interesting to have like an afternoon, quote unquote, tea, quote unquote, with Lestat. Ooh, because if you go by the books, have you ever seen Interview with the Vampire? No. <laughs> watch it when I come down. Yeah. Are we wait? Are we it's just gonna crazy. have a vampire-filled weekend? Yes, please. The poor guys. They're gonna be like, <laughs> we're gonna go play pokemon goodbye mike mike would probably like interview with the vampire it's very good i think he would also like twilight if he just pushed the men feelings aside (laughs) probably dad really likes twilight dad watched all of them with me oh and the vampire diaries so there actually we read the vampire diaries and then we watched it together and then we complained about how it wasn't at all like the books mike's also not that insecure about like masculinity so he wouldn't be afraid to admit it he probably would hate it for real reasons, like 
Edward Cullen did not do a good job. Yeah. Yeah. The soundtrack, though, is banging. Oh, my God. I love it. Anyways. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I'd probably have tea with Lestat. And I say, quote, unquote, twice because, one, Anne Rice's vampires cannot go out in the sun, so the afternoon would be difficult. And actually, um, they don't super get into it in the movie, but in the books, they talk about they are compelled to go to sleep when the sun is rising. Like within a couple hours mm-hmm. of before the sun rising. So it's not like, oh, well, I need to go to sleep for convenience or I could stay inside all day. It is their body say, we're sleeping now <laughs> and we will wake up when the sun goes down. And that's that. That's what happens at nine o'clock when it's my bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> I was up till midnight last night. I was like, what is this? And then I remembered I got coffee at 4.30. So. I was also up till midnight and then I slept only till like 6.45. Mm-hmm. I woke up in the middle of the night to a thunderstorm because it left you and came to me. Yeah, uh, that uh, happened when I went to bed. And I was like, ah! Uh-huh. And my power went out. Oh, my gosh. I I woke up and was watching the thunder and lightning. Mm-hmm. outside. Like, the lightning was happening when I was falling asleep, but I had just seen some other people around here with Snapchats of heat lightning. So I was like, oh, it's mostly probably just that. And then I dozed off, and then I heard thunder, and then I dozed off again. When I woke up, it was pouring rain, thunder and lightning, and... Then all of a sudden my fan kicked on and I was like, whoa, because I didn't realize it was off. And turns out the power had flickered. Oops. So, yep. Um, so anyway, Lestat is my answer. <laughs> <laughs> He's very like philosophical, but also witty. So I think it would be interesting. If you could get him to listen long enough. Anyway. This episode <laughs> is sponsored by ADD Storytelling Time. <laughs> And it's just going to get worse. Wait. Just wait till you get to the bonus episode. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> uh, we're doing good. This is going to be a blast to edit. So anyway, tea parties. Tea parties. And uh, this is not Boston Tea Party? No, this is not. This is the OG. And by OG, I mean English Tea Party. Mm. I'm sure there were part. Well, it might not have been tea parties. It might have just been tea before then. Well, okay. So. How about you teach me? Because I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about as of last night. Oh, you're so smart. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, tea in England didn't really become popular until the 1660s. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't there for always. It wasn't, you know, Romans and everybody else showing up to a little island. And they're like, oh, and also we brought tea with us. Because right. this is going to be our identity for centuries. So, like, Columbus wasn't chilling with a crate of tea. Columbus wasn't English, I don't think. Was he Spanish? He was Italian. Oh. And I think he got money from Spain or Portugal. I think it was Spain. I think he went to the king and queen of Spain. I think he went to both and only one of them approved and I don't remember which one. Anyway, so tea became popular in England in the 1660s when King Charles II's wife, who was a Portuguese princess, Catherine de Braganza, brought it with her and it was actually part of her dowry really when they got married and then she started drinking it more and more and people were like oh hey that's pretty cool so you know it started to spread but initially it was something that for the most part only people in the upper class had and if you had it you kept it under lock and key because it was so valuable and hard to get from all the way across the world where it was coming from china and india and sometimes japan but mostly china and india because of you know continent Mm -hmm. uh tea parties do you want to take a guess when they really started up uh but tea wasn't really popular until like the 16s mm-hmm. 1660s when did bridgerton take place 
I don't know why I thought it was in like 1400, but that's, isn't that like Middle Ages? Yeah. Oops. I'm going to guess 1732. Not even. It was in the 1840s. Wow. It is super young compared to most of England's history. Hmm. It was actually started when Anna, who is the seventh Duchess of Bedford, well, she introduced it when she was at her summer house and she would host these little parties with close friends. She, <laughs> I can relate and I have a feeling you can too. Because basically what happened was they would have lunch around noon, mm-hmm. and but they wouldn't have dinner till closer to 8 p.m. And she needed a snack <laughs> around 4 p.m. So she had, you know, the household staff make little finger sandwiches and cakes and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and bring her tea. And she would just sit and drink this tea in the middle of the afternoon. That is a whole mood. <laughs> I read it. I was like, yes, same. She she is talking to every woman on earth where we're mm-hmm. like, snacks, please. Mm-hmm. That's like eight whole hours of not eating. Yeah, that's insane. That's like going to bed. Yeah. No. <laughs> so she started having her afternoon snacks, mm-hmm. which became an afternoon tea party. And she would invite other female friends over. And initially they would actually go walking out in the yard or they would spend time outside. And then as it grew more and more as a tradition and she brought it back to London and more and more people got involved and started hosting their own, it became more of a formal affair that was hosted in the drawing room. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally, they used silver teapots and bone china teacups. Bone? Bone. What bone? Bone. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, they used like <laughs> they used higher class uh, teapots and tea sets and everything, as to be expected for something happening in the drawing room. I think bone china is porcelain. Oh, like sure. like just porcelain. Uh, let me let me do a Google because I'm afraid bone that they're like, yeah, we murdered cats and made some uh, teapots oh. out of them. Yeah, it's porcelain. Oh, it's composed of. Oh, it does have bone ash in it. Of what animal? Probably. I don't know. Are they human? No. The queen started drinking out of this. I don't think she drank from a human. The bone ash that is used is made from cattle bones. Hmm. Let's move ahead. Well, if anything, that's better because that follows the idea of using the entire animal body instead of wasting it. That's true. Because you still eat the cow. Nom, nom, nom. And use the leather. So then you use the bone. And that's how you make books in Minecraft. (laughs) <laughs> with cow bones and leather <laughs> yes um so they used silver pots and bone china mm-hmm. and i have a quote so this is from afternoontea.co.uk they seem very trustworthy they're a very fancy website i highly recommend you go look um, but they said afternoon tea was initially developed as a private social event who for ladies who climbed the echelons of society what is an echelon Basically, if you just got into the upper classes and oh, okay. if you visualize society like a ladder, mm-hmm. climbing the ladder of society. Gotcha. Yes. Um, and it became a staple in English society when Duchess Anna invited Queen Victoria to one of her afternoon teas. And Queen Victoria was like, oh, yeah, this is our thing now and made it <laughs> a staple in England. It was a uh, ladies afternoon before it was girls night. Girls night. 
<laughs> we do girls' nights, by the way. Don't know if anybody else knew that. Figured you need to know. It is. It is a fact. <laughs> girls' night. And we don't drink tea. <laughs> no, but we spill it. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's because um. I'm clumsy. <laughs> Tea parties started happening in the 1840s. Do you want to take a guess as to when they started to really take off? How long it took from like the first one to 1850s. <laughs> Almost immediately. <laughs> it actually wasn't until the 1880s. Oh, okay. That wasn't an awful guess. Yeah. That it transitioned from that thing that Duchess Anna did to that thing that upper class ladies do. Okay. You know. Yeah. Uh, so upper class women would dress in long gowns and gloves and hats and all sorts of fancy stuff like you see in Bridgerton. Mm. <laughs> we will do this one day. Uh-huh. We're going to do an actual tea party one day. I very much want to. This is a small introduction. We actually were pretty inaccurate once I told you the things. And then around 1030 last night, I realized most of these things were wrong. And you know what? We're going to stick with it. Oh, fun. <laughs> they're not like wrong, wrong, but they're not proper. Okay. Yes. I wouldn't consider myself proper. <laughs> I am proper ish. Sometimes I wear pants. I have a retail voice. <laughs> um, as these tea parties became more popular, they could have as many as 200 guests in the house. Jeez. Mm -hmm. It's a big and house. Basically, what they would do is they'd pick a time in the afternoon, you know, three to five or four to six or seven, somewhere like that put it on an invitation and send it out to all these people and tell them they can come and go as they please during any point. Oh, okay. That, yeah. So it wasn't 200 people showing up at four and chilling for three hours, mm -hmm. but it was a lot of people coming in and out and having to make sure everything's refreshed and all that jazz. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> I mean, I guess if, you know, you have 200 people coming in and out of your house for three to four hours it's a good way to get an experience of owning a restaurant if that's something you want without having the hassle of actually owning the restaurant that's true i think it's not for me <laughs> mm -hmm. but maybe a small cafe called the busy bean yes um so that was traditional afternoon tea there is also high tea what is high tea so high tea also according to the afternoon tea.co.uk the middle or lower classes would have a more substantial high tea later in the day, closer to five or six o'clock, in place of a late dinner. The name derives from the height of the tables on which the meals were served, because typically at a tea party, you know, you have a lower kind of coffee table mm -hmm. height, and you're sitting around in these chairs and talking and whatnot. But the high tea was served at a regular dinner table, so it was much higher than your typical afternoon tea okay. table. Hence, high tea. Sounds high tea. <laughs> ha! Oh, wait. <gasps> Instead of dink it. High tea. High tea. It actually got to the point that in some places, the word tea could even be used to just outright replace the word dinner. Huh. Because they it stopped being used to refer to specifically the drink and just the whole experience of sitting down and drinking and eating and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I didn't realize it was such a staple. Like, I knew it was, like, for high society, but I didn't realize it was, like, capable of replacing your dinner mm -hmm. because i think of tiny finger foods and little cakes and teas and nothing that i would fill up on or at least not feel good about filling up on yeah 
Well, I think some of it, too, is that when you're not in the upper class, you don't necessarily have access to, like, finger sandwiches and everything. So you kind of just had tea and whatever was available. Hmm. <laughs> I wrote in my notes, uh, after explaining why it's called high tea, what does ours count as if we're drinking and eating at a desk at 10 a.m.? So I'm going to change that to what does ours count as if we're eating and drinking at a desk at 2.40 p.m.? <laughs> <laughs> desk tea? Hmm. Window watching tea? Oh, I like that. Um, Geese tea. Geese tea. <laughs> Geese tea. <laughs> kitty. Like kitties. Uh, welcome to our kitty time. <laughs> Hi, welcome to my kitty talk. <laughs> my kitty talk. So nowadays, those kinds of tea parties don't happen nearly as often, mm -hmm. even in England. Uh, it's usually something that's used just as a celebration, uh, obviously predominantly among the middle class especially. Mm -hmm. So like if it's somebody's birthday or graduation or if it's maybe even a reunion of friends you haven't seen in a hot minute, then you could have a more formal afternoon tea party. But not many people do it on a daily basis anymore. That's a shame. Yeah. We could start. Society has really gone downhill. Mm -hmm. I have a toaster oven at work. I could make scones. <laughs> <a toaster oven. laughs> I could make it worse. They already joke about the fact that I make tea. And I could just that was a wild it. transition. I'm thinking of how to do afternoon tea feasibly at work. You could make that part of your meal prep, freeze your dough because it's good to do that, apparently. Yeah. And you could just pop it in the toaster oven when it's time. Mm-hmm. That's so exciting. I'm going to do that. I like that. A good place to go to a more traditional style afternoon tea party is also at a fancy hotel. What? Which is what I did when I was visiting that friend at university. Oh, that's it a good point. It was a hotel on campus, and they do afternoon teas, and they'll do it in the more traditional style. I figured this story might come in again for this episode. <laughs> I just I just want to do it again. We, We're going to make it happen. We need to do it. Um. I did want to include at least one famous tea party. Okay. Because I'm sure there have been several. But. Boston. <laughs> <laughs> and South Carolina, thank you. Oh, good point. And Boston part two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Another movie we need to watch. Yes. Princess Alexandra, who was the wife of Prince Edward, who was Queen Victoria's son. So Queen Victoria's daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm hosted a a tea party in 1902 basically princess alexandria was a very charitable princess mm -hmm. and that was one of the things she was known for is trying to help out as much as she could with people who were not as well off as she was and she loved afternoon tea so in 1902 uh prince edward was being coronated to be king edward mm -hmm. and to celebrate princess alexandria organized I didn't, get, I didn't get a number of how many afternoon teas happened, but she invited 10,000 maids from England what? to go to various afternoon tea parties. Mm -hmm. Maid as in like unmarried or? As in a servant of a household. Okay. Yeah, or or to like you know, company or help? something. But no, she organized these tea parties so that she could have either her staff at various estates or Whatever estate she was using, she'd coordinate it. I'm sure she ended up using some of her um, other connections and the network and whatnot 
to have other people do it. But she invited these maids to basically say, I want you to come in whatever dress you feel comfortable in and whatever you look, you feel like you would, you know, feel confident in. Mm -hmm. And we're going to serve you tea and snacks and all sorts of stuff. And we're, we're going to treat you like your royalty. Wow. For 10,000 maids. That's so sweet. Yeah. I completely so. forgot about the part where you said charitable. And I was like, are they working? is <laughs> <laughs> she like hey i need you to come serve me tea right i was like are is she having a huge party for someone i just didn't follow the story for some reason my brain went good night <laughs> <laughs> here you go. yeah she hosted it for uh and there the one that the documentary i was watching talked about had a thousand maids that visited mm -hmm. and um if anybody's interested that i'll have it in the notes obviously but the documentary was from a program called i don't know where it went but they're in the they're in the um in the sources, it's a documentary I found on YouTube where basically they look at a bunch of different traditional royal foods in England. Mm -hmm. And this one focused in on afternoon tea parties. Hmm. So they talked about that she had all those afternoon tea parties for that many people. That's really cool. Just to celebrate her husband's coronation. That's so mm -hmm. sweet. Um, <clears throat> so what kind of tea do you have at tea parties? Wet tea. Correct. Uh, there's actually several teas that you traditionally have at an afternoon tea party. Okay. One of which is Earl Grey, obviously. Another one is called Assam, which is a tea from India and has a, a malty kind of flavor. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Darjeeling. I love Darjeeling. Mm -hmm. Which also comes from India, but has a more flower, flowery mm -hmm. kind of flavor to it. And then the fourth one is the Lapsang Souchong, which we have actually talked about before. That was in one of the Boston Tea Party ones, right? It was. It was one of the teas in the Boston Tea Party, and it's also one of the teas that, when you sift through the leaves, you keep the big parts at, to sell as Lapsang Souchong, and then you use all the little bits to make bohia. Oh, yeah. So this is what adds the smoky flavor to the bohia. Ah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's what you typically have. Look at us making connections with previous episodes. Wow. <laughs> and now it's time for food. I love food, but I'm not very hungry right now. Oh, well, okay. Can we, can we talk about food? <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. I don't think the thunk even came through. Wow, this is a good mic. I hope it came through. That was funny. It might have. Okay, so one of the things you have at an afternoon tea party, as you know, as we've already mentioned, is finger sandwiches. Ooh. And this is not yeah. fingers shoved between bread? Correct. Okay. <laughs> they're actually called finger sandwiches because they're typically in that small, long, rectangular shape. Mm -hmm. So it makes them easier to pick up and eat with your fingies. Oh, that's cool. You are not so apparently sometimes at parties people eat sandwiches with forks, but you are specifically not supposed to use a fork for a finger sandwich. Otherwise, it'd be a fork Just sandwich. To be clear. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> hate it when people eat fork sandwiches in front of me. So crunchy. Um, initially, when afternoon tea parties... Sorry. <laughs> I didn't process it. I was just like, yep, anyway. Um, okay. Initially, when uh, people would have sandwiches at their afternoon tea parties, it was just bread and butter. Mm -hmm. And they would use, in the upper class parties, they would use white bread because it wasn't as available to everyone. Mm -hmm. So it was still very fancy to just have white bread and butter. Ooh. I vote that's what we eat at our, at our tea parties. Okay. Just bread and butter. So I learned that the UK puts butter on most sandwiches, which is new to me. Hmm. Like, the guy made a P PB&J, 
and uh-huh. put butter on it first. He was like, it has to have butter. It's a sandwich. I was like, what? Sandwiches work. Uh, no, thanks. Um, no. Um, no. Um, so anyway, in addition to bread and butter, some other popular sandwiches are cucumber sandwiches. I've heard of that. Which are popular because they're light. I don't especially like cucumber, though, so. I do. Well, I will make you some cucumber sandwiches. Okay. Uh, there's also egg mayo with cress. What is cress? I googled it. It's a green. A green? Yeah, so it's similar to like alfalfa sprouts and like all the little greens that you oh. can get on sandwiches. Yeah. Um, but it's its own kind of green. It's not an alfalfa sprout. It's just similar. Uh, oh. There's also smoked salmon with cream cheese. Okay. Coronation chicken. What is that? From what I can tell, without looking too deep into a recipe, it's kind of like a British version of a chicken salad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's It's got like cold shredded chicken in it and you add... I don't know if they explicitly use mayonnaise or something else, but, you know, s- some kind of creamy mm-hmm. and then some different flavors. and Like a yogurt or something? Like yeah, okay. probably something like that. I don't have a recipe in front of me, though. So uh, There's also ham and mustard sandwiches, which is another one we mentioned earlier. I do well. that with turkey. I literally just do turkey and mustard and go with it sometimes. <laughs> when I was growing up, Dad used to heat up a hot dog in a microwave and cut it in half and put it on white bread with spicy brown mustard. Poor man's hot dog. Anytime somebody mentions this. <laughs> so yeah, so those are the sandwiches. All right. <laughs> uh, next is what we tried today. Scone. Which is? Oh, sorry, <laughs> I got excited. <laughs> yes, scones. Scones. <laughs> scones. Scones. <laughs> or scones, depending on what pronunciation you want to use. But here's where the chaos of the editing comes in because we had a special guest would you like to introduce our special guest yeah i would love to introduce our guest so our guest today is uh my father mr jeff uh he is full-time pilot part-time baker by passion not by necessity uh he just enjoys baking like he doesn't do it to sell or anything he just really enjoys baking it's been a passion forever which he'll get into Aside from him liking baking, what specifically made you think of him for scones? Every now and then, my dad would make us scones for breakfast. uh, And it requires a lot of love and time uh, to kind of prepare. So it was not too often that we would get it, but they were always the best scones. And he would make chocolate chip and blueberry, and I would devour them. So (laughs) you mentioned that we were going to try to make scones i was like wait can we call in an expert (laughs) kind of (laughs) because i know my dad's really good about uh, good at making scones Mm -hmm. so yeah that's what made me think of him yeah oh that's cute i love my dad we'll keep alternating between uh your dad and april who is my stepmom Mm -hmm. for uh homestyle baker and and degree baker (laughs) yes we should get her to listen to my dad's uh, telling of how to make scones and see what her critiques are. Mm-hmm. From like the book training version of scones. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, and then we'll call him. Hello? 
Chai there. How you growing? <laughs> Chai there. Hi. Good morning, Allie. How are good you? Good morning. I'm brewing good. How are you brewing? <laughs> I'm brewing very well, thank you. <laughs> well, maybe we should actually introduce you. You're not just some guy making scones. Uh, this is my dad, Jeff, Mr. Jeff, if you will. We're having scones because we're having a traditional tea party. I've never made scones, and it seems pretty complicated. It's actually pretty simple. It's it's just a quick bread. Can you walk us through how you made your dough? Sure. Basic recipe for scones, and I'll tell you how I modified it because I can't seem to let anything um, that's good. I can't read them. I put my own bent on it. And what I'm making today are blueberry scones. Here's our list of ingredients for the basic batter. And this is something that we can modify to do all different kinds. All right, so two cups or 250 grams of all-purpose flour. So you could use, uh, you could spoon it in and level it. Uh, and then maybe just a little bit extra for your work surface when you turn the dough out onto the counter. Um, but what I did is I used a, a scale and measured 250 grams. Uh, to that, I added half a cup, which is 100 grams of granulated sugar. And normally I would add a half teaspoon of salt. In this case, I was using butter that already had some salt, uh, had already had about a third of a teaspoon in there. So I added uh, maybe another quarter teaspoon to try to approximate half a teaspoon. Uh, to that, I added uh, two and a half teaspoons of baking powder. Um, so I had those first four dry ingredients, and I took a whisk, and I just mixed those all together really well in a bowl. And then um, what you do is you take a stick, uh, a half a cup, which is one stick or 115 grams of unsalted um, butter that's been frozen for you know half an hour or so. Uh, or if you use salted butter, just cut back on the, the, uh, the salt previously uh, by a third of a teaspoon. And I took that stick of butter in a box grater, and I grated it onto a paper plate uh, so it was nice and stable. And what you have to do is you have to peel back the wax paper on the butter and be really, really careful when you're grating this. Otherwise, you're adding an optional ingredient part of your fingers. Ew. <laughs> I don't think they listed famous ladyfinger scones. As you as you get down to the nub of the butter, it's so (laughs) difficult to to get that last little bit in that you may want to just you know the last uh, tablespoon of butter. You may just want to cut up very finely with a knife and then throw that in there so that you're not trying to use this uh, box grater for the last little bit and end up uh, grating not only the wax paper. butter wrapper but also your fingers so now what you've got is a bowl of dry ingredients and this mound of little butter curly cues so you at this point what you want to do is mix those two together really well you could use a food processor with um, uh, with a you know just a unsharp blade to mix it all in together but what that does is it introduces a lot of heat and you really don't want that. You froze the butter to avoid the heat. So the best thing to do is to use a, uh, a pastry cutter, which is uh, like a half moon shaped um, thing you hold in your hand with uh, about six different wires. 
Uh, or in a pinch, if you don't have something like that, just use a couple of forks. And what you're doing is you're cutting that butter into the flour until it's evenly distributed throughout the flour. Um, and basically, you've got these little, uh, just minuscule quarter of a pea size chunks of butter, you know, throughout, mixed throughout the, uh, the flour. And the butter, when it melts, creates these little, little pockets of, um, little pockets of, uh, water vapor. And it helps give that dough a, uh, that white berry feel, uh, that you want when you bite into it. So even doing that, you introduce a fair amount of heat. So what I would do is I'd take those dry ingredients with the butter now and stick them back in the freezer if you have room or in the refrigerator uh, while you're doing the next step. So the next step is going to be take a half a cup, which is 120 milliliters of uh, heavy cream or buttermilk, and you're going to need an extra two tablespoons to brush the, top, the uh, scones when we're done. Uh, you'll take one large egg and then one and a half teaspoons of pure vanilla extract. Um, today I was making lemon, um, adding lemon and, and blueberry to my scones. So what I did is I did one teaspoon of vanilla extract and added a half a teaspoon of lemon extract for a little bit of extra lemon flavor. Um, and I also added the zest. I have a little hand zester uh, of one lemon. So that ended up being a, a good tablespoon, um, maybe maybe tablespoon and a quart, a third of, of lemon zest, uh, which translates uh, tablespoons three teaspoons. So that would be four teaspoons of lemon zest. But I just zested the whole lemon, and maybe it's too much, maybe it, it's not. I'll, I'll know shortly. <laughs> oh. Um, you know, ordinarily you do like one and a half teaspoons of pure vanilla extract, and that's optional. Um, and then you can add something else. Um, today, um, well, the recipe calls for one to one and a half cups of some sort of an add-in, like chocolate chips. And when I use chocolate chips, uh, I like to use the mini chocolate chips because they spread out more evenly throughout the, the, uh, the dough, and you get a uh, more of a chocolatey uh, taste in every bite rather than big chunks of, uh, of chocolate. Mm -hmm. So that's just my, but, um, I did one cup of fresh blueberries. So any type of berry you could use, you know, strawberries that are cut up into small pieces, um, or, you know, whatever your preference is for a berry, it could be blackberry or raspberry or, or whatever. Um, you can add nuts or some other kind of fruit. So what you've done is you've taken all of these uh, wet ingredients and you blend those together, you know, whisk them together. And now you're ready to combine the, the dry ingredients from earlier and the wet ingredients. So you take the, uh, the dry ingredients back out of the fridge and you um, basically drizzle the wet ingredients over top of it while you're mixing it together, you know, roughly with a, a fork. And what you don't want to do is uh, over mix a quick dough because that makes it tough. You want something that's light and fluffy. Uh, anytime you're working a quick dough, you just mix it enough to get the dry ingredients mixed in and moistened with everything else. Uh, so be careful not to overwork it because you'll end up with tough dough. 
So okay. what you're doing is uh, you take those wet ingredients and you drizzle them over the dry ingredients, mix mix them up a little bit with a fork, drizzle some more of it, mix it up with a fork. And, um, you know, you don't have to be overly concerned that it's totally homogenous and, and completely mixed. You'll you'll sort of do that on the counter. But once your dough is, is just basically incorporated, um, lightly flour your counter or your work surface and turn the dough out onto that. And what I do is um, basically form it into a rough bubble, um, handle it you know, just a little bit to make sure everything's evenly incorporated. So you're just taking this rough ball shape and then mushing it out to about an 8-inch to 10-inch diameter um, circle. And what we're, what we're trying to do is, is have something that's about, uh, let's say, three-quarters of an inch thick. Uh, to maybe an inch thick, and that's a good good uh, thickness for your um, stone dough. And so I take this big circle and I cut it into about eight pieces. So you have these eight little um, pie-shaped wedges. And then um, what I do is I separate those and put them on. To, I like using a, uh, a silicone baking mat when I'm when I'm cooking. Um, but what I do is I, I initially put that dough onto a piece of parchment paper, you know, formed by little wedges, and then uh, transferred those onto a silicone baking mat. And um, once it was on the mat, I brushed the top of it with that those uh, two tablespoons of uh, uh, cream that I reserved. And that gave me something that I could sprinkle the, uh, the coarse sugar on top of. So... Um, on your baking mat, you, you've you've got the top of them wetted with the uh, the cream, sprinkled with sugar, and then you pop it in a 400 degree preheated oven um, for between 15 and 25 minutes. But you're looking for uh, evenly browned. Um, you know, make sure you don't burn them, but you should have uh, light browning um, throughout the stone, and that makes sure that it's at least cooked through, um, but you don't want to burn the bottoms or, uh, or the tops. Okay. So what I like to use is a uh, double-sided, uh, excuse me, a double thickness baking sheet. So it has like a layer of air and that helps keep the bottom of my cookies and, and things like that from, uh, from burning. So the, uh, the scones look to be pretty good. I let them rest for about, um, I guess it's been about 10 minutes. And we'll do the taste test and see how they turned out. Awesome. Is that the scone is light and airy. So that's perfect. That tells me I did not overwork the dough. I'm, I'm getting a lot of the lemon flavor that uh, I was after. So the zest of a whole lemon, um, especially if you're doing like a lemon poppy seed, say, uh, scone. I, I think the lemon works. Um if you don't want as much lemon flavor, you could you could avoid the lemon extract totally or cut back on the lemon zest a little bit. But I like uh, I like the lemon zest in there. You've got the uh, the chunks of berries, and then you've got that that crackle when you bite into the uh, the coarse sugar on top of it. the uh, The bottoms are not overcooked. Um, the only only thing I would say is the the scones um, did spread out a little bit which is not horrible, 
but if I wanted to keep them more pie shaped and less sloppy looking, if you will, um, maybe you leave them in the freezer or refrigerator for about half an hour or so prior to cooking them and make sure that your oven is uh, all the way preheated to 400 degrees before you stick them in there. Okay. I'll call it a success. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling much more confident now to go make ours. I'm very excited to see how it goes. Yeah. Thank you so much for all the good information. <laughs> sure thing. Anytime. All right, dad. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Mr. Jeff. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. Bye. Oh, Hi. It's editing Julia and Allie. We really must stop meeting this way. <laughs> or at least I should really get a better idea of how much I can talk about one subject. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're going to split this episode into two parts. So that means you'll have to wait to hear how our scones turned out until next time. But we're going to release part two next week, October 3rd. So you don't have to wait. In the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening. All of our sources will be in the episode notes. That's our research sources and the recipe. And if you're looking to find our podcast, you can find it on webrewgood.podbean.com or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can also find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and the Tic Tacs at WeBrewGood. Or you can send us an email directly at WeBrewGood at gmail.com. And as always, we desperately need you to tell the guinea pigs. <laughs> Allie, did you yes. know that guinea pigs can live for seven years? What? That's seven years of them telling. We have to tell them. <laughs> The seven-year plague of the guinea pig propaganda. <laughs> you must, capital letters, must tell the guinea pigs. Please. Please. And as always, <laughs> stay, stay brutal. brutal. <laughs> Nailed it. Oh.